This is a CBC podcast. Hello, and welcome to CBC's The Current's BIPOC Friday. My name's Christiana, and I'll be your host this morning. It's a chilly Friday morning here in Ottawa, and it looks like we are indeed going to be having a white Christmas this year, no pun intended. Last week, Healthy Debate published an article on their webpage about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting racialized healthcare workers. We have Dr. Nancy Paris, author of the paper, joining us this morning to give us the inside scoop. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining me here today for BIPOC Friday. I must say that I was deeply moved by your story that I read on the Healthy Debates website, and hearing about your experiences with systemic racism was very moving. Now, our audience doesn't have the pleasure of knowing you, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you very much, Christiana, for having me on BIPOC Friday. Hello, everybody. My name is Nancy. Uh, I am a PhD trained nurse. I am a, also a part-time university um, teacher at the University of Ottawa. I'm a single mom and I'm from Haiti. And it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much. So we're just going to start with a couple of questions um, with respect to the experiences you shared on the article. Is that all right? Absolutely. Great. Let's get started. Alors, pour nous écouter français, euh, aujourd'hui, cette entrevue va passer seulement en anglais parce que, oui, la, la majorité des questions, ça va être en anglais. Et puis, l'article que Mme Paris a écrit, c'était en anglais quand même. Mais, euh, Mme Paris, est-ce que vous voulez dire quelque chose à propos de l'aspect bilingue de cette podcast? Merci beaucoup, Christiana. Absolument, euh, je suis parfaitement bilingue, donc je parle l'anglais et le français très, très bien. Um, but unfortunately, um, uh, even if you're bilingual, systemic racism is still blocking doors for you. Okay. Um, and I can tell you a little anecdote of that. Mm -hmm. So I was applying for a job that required to be bilingual. And uh, me and a, and a white uh, um, colleague applied too. I was asked to, uh, to write a test in English. Okay. And then she did it asked to write a test in French. So the bilingualism was only applied to me. Okay. So this is how systemic racism, you know, infiltrates in everything that we do as black person. So this is just a question. Was the job interview for Quebec? So it was a Quebec francophone job that you were applying for? No, it was in Ontario, Ottawa. Oh, wow. Okay. So you were asked to prove that you spoke English. Okay. When my white colleague then asked to prove that she speaks French. Wow. That's, that is something, folks, and that's a prime example that Nancy has yet again shared with us, so thanks for that. All right, so I'm going to go for the million-dollar question right now. How has systemic racism impacted your career and professional development? Well, thank you very much, Christiana. I think that's a very important question, and uh, I think the impact is huge. 
uh, when we talk about my professional career, when I came here, I came with a dream to have a PhD to, you know, to better my life mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, having more opportunities, having a position that fit uh, that knowledge and education. Sure. But unfortunately, systemic racism keeps shutting doors in my face. So, um, I'm still a floor nurse, even if I'm a PhD trained nurse mm-hmm. and with a lot of experience. And I've been working in a healthcare system for the past 10 years, but I keep doing the same job as a white person with a college diploma. So this is how systemic racism blocking doors for racialized people like me. Wow. That's such a terrible experience to have gone through and it must be very frustrating. Um, I have no words to express how unfair that is but at the same time can you tell me a bit more about the other people who get these jobs that you wish you had well um if i can uh, sum up my experience in canada i've been here for the past 16 years uh coming from haiti uh i faced systemic racism in 14 canadian institutions so position that i applied for that i am qualified for that i meet all the criteria for the job and then when they saw my resume and my name they assumedly think that i'm white but when I show up, they see a black woman and then they suddenly tell me they don't have a job to offer me. And in my workplace at the hospital, I've seen my managers are more qualified than them. Mm-hmm. And I see a management position being given to white people with a college diploma when the wow. position required a master's or at least a bachelor degree. And they don't have that. The only competence they have is the color of their skin. So systemic racism is a big thing here. It's very subtle and it's hard to dismantle. Yeah, I I can't begin to imagine how frustrating that must be for you. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, just feeding off of what you just said about your experiences, I'm deeply shocked. And to be honest, I'm scared. You know, as a young mixed race working professional, I worry about my future, but I wonder, do you worry about your daughter and her future in a system that ultimately profiles you just based on the color of your skin? Well, you know, um, I'm not only scared, I'm worried every day Mm -hmm. because, you know, no matter what we did, no matter what we we achieve, we're still at the bottom of the barrel because that's what the system was built to keep us at the bottom no matter what we do. And yes, I'm worried about my daughter because she's a black woman as just like me. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about that, no matter how far she pushes against those walls, those walls are going to be still there. But we need to keep fighting to bring those walls down. No matter how thick they look or they are, we have to work to bring them down. And systemic racism is not something that's going to disappear overnight. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of people because black people didn't create that system. White people did. And I think that's hard for some of our listeners to accept. What role do you think accepting these unconscious biases and these privileges play in dismantling systemic racism? Well, one thing I can say, um, I know um, we have um, an audience in the pub. There are white people, there are black people. There's a lot of people listening to this 
podcast today, what I can say, unconscious buyers, they are the one that keep that maintaining that systemic racism going on. Mm-hmm. And unless white people are willing to share and to shift that balance of power, mm-hmm. it's not going to change. Because we need to get to a point when I'm coming to an institution, I need to be seen as a person who is qualified to do a job, not as a black woman to stay in the kitchen or to mop the floor. Yeah. So those, it takes work. And then I know a lot of white people, they are very fragile, what we call white fragility. That's need to be acknowledged. Yes. And then being taken care of. And I feel like that's something that, you know, we try to bring awareness to here on BIPOC Friday. So thanks for sharing that point, Nancy. You're welcome. So we already have systemic racism in the mix, as we know. So how does COVID impact systemic racism for you as a healthcare worker and healthcare workers in general in Canada? What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, Christiana, thank you. That's such an important question because when we're looking at the data, majority of the healthcare workers are racialized people, mm-hmm. whether they are black, indigenous people from Philippines, from China, everywhere. And then because of systemic racism, um, racialized healthcare workers are mostly in the front line. Yeah. That's mean at the forefront of COVID. And one of the reasons, when, when you look at what happened in the long-term care, which is majority, like I would say even 95% of the workers are, are black, mm-hmm. so you have a lot of uh, racialized healthcare workers hit hard by COVID. Yeah. And then till today, we don't have any really well Canadian data that, you know, really tackle that to understand why racialized healthcare workers are more hit by COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important because they already made vulnerable by the color and now by disease, such heart disease is COVID. So I think it's really important to look into that. And because we, they are the forefront as me as a nurse, yeah. you know, you're the forefront when the person come, you're the first one to deal with. And if you don't have adequate PPE, you are at high risk to contract COVID. And just to clarify for our viewers, PPE stands for Personal Protective Equipment. So Nancy is a little bit technical with her nursing terms, so we just wanted to bring that to the forefront. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing that important point with us. Um, a lot of people, you know, they think that you live in a, in a country, a developed country like Canada or the States, or even the UK, where we see from the data that you shared in the healthy debate article that the majority of healthcare workers are are racialized they're ethnic minority groups that are disproportionately affected by you know this disease that is causing a worldwide pandemic so to me that's scary because if we don't take care of you guys you know if the system doesn't work for you guys to protect you guys how are you guys going to take care of us And I think that's something that, you know, you did bring up at the end of your article, and that's a very valuable point. So thanks for sharing that, Nancy. We know, um, you know, the COVID pandemic has created a lot of issues um, in terms of access to just basic needs. So 
There are regulations set in place by the Canadian government to limit the spread of the virus, but we know that these same regulations also impact access to health services. In your opinion, as a healthcare worker, how do these measures affect racialized people who already receive inequitable access to healthcare services? Thank you, Christiana. That's a, such a because you know, as a racialized healthcare worker, uh, when you're working as a nurse or as a healthcare worker in general, you're not only working, but suddenly you became the advocate of the racialized patient, mm -hmm. and uh, because the same way as a because as a healthcare worker, we kind of have some type of power because mm -hmm. we the one you know offer the care, but when you think. You've been, I've been victim of racism as a healthcare worker in my role of a healthcare worker. And then when you see a racialized patient, yeah. this patient is triple vulnerable. Yeah. So I'm not only the nurse for that patient, but I have to advocate. And most of the time what happened, we end up, this patient never assigned to white nurses because first of all, they don't want to care for that patient. And second, we have to step up. And sometimes they have so many issues, the language barrier, they don't understand what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So they made more vulnerable. And then with COVID, it's even more complicated because those people, they don't have access to the um, natural aid. Yeah. The people that take care of them the next of kin because no visiting policy no people can get to the hospital so those people basically they by themselves and as they visualize healthcare workers you feel the responsibility yeah. to advocate for those patients for sure and that's part of the hippocratic oath right to yeah. take care and do no harm so how does it make you feel as a racialized worker advocating for these patients do you feel that you're putting yourself at risk do you feel more vulnerable when you do these things um you know to advocate for them and with your colleagues afterwards is there any kind of negative repercussions well in my case um they're all the repercussions gonna be always there but with my personality, I'm a mm -hmm. fighter. I don't take, I'll take one for the team. Okay. And I always stand up in my values and my convictions. I don't take anything, you know, block me and come in conflict between my values. But I've seen other racialized co-worker, they don't dare advocate for the patient. They don't dare even advocate for themselves because oh, of, because they're scared of the repercussion because they know what's going to happen in the coffee break. They know what's going to happen at the nursing station. And sometimes I have to step up and advocate for my colleagues and for my patients. Yeah. And that puts you in a tough position too. Yeah, it puts me in a tough position. I usually I've seen as a black sheep. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe because I'm highly educated and I know my data, I know the facts, I have knowledge to back up whatever I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, my colleagues, my white colleagues usually sees me as a threat, even my managers. Yeah. Because when you are a person, you stand in your value and you do whatever to defend your values, you will be seen as a threat by anybody because you stand off the way to harm, to harm somebody else. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing that. So, you know, given our last question that we just talked about, there were some pretty profound exchanges that we had. 
And, you know, given everything you've seen as a healthcare worker, as a nurse, as a black nurse, do you feel that harm reduction services for people of color are necessary that go beyond the pandemic? Well, that's a very important question, Christiana. Um, I think there is harm reduction in general, but do they really apply practically to racialized people? I don't think so, okay. because the system was built not to include racialized people. It was built by white people for white people to serve the benefit of white people. So even if those services exist, usually racialized people, they don't have access to them. Okay. And I really think the, the, the government can use that pandemic as a learning curve mm -hmm. to build on, to look, okay, we have a healthcare system that's inequitable, that's unjust. Yes. How can we create a more inclusive system for everybody? Mm -hmm. And then start by collecting data on why racialized people are disproportionately hit by COVID. For sure. And until we have clear policy, clear law that clearly define what is racism, what is systemic racism, how to tackle it, how to dismantle it, and then cons mm -hmm. consequences for racist behaviors, yeah. we are not going to end this. And then no matter how difficult those converse conversations are, we must have them. I agree. Even if our lips are shaking, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, we must have those conversations. Because until we acknowledge there's something wrong, we're not going to find a solution. If we don't acknowledge there is a problem, we won't bother finding the solution for it. I couldn't have said it better myself, Nancy. And that's actually why we do BIPOC Friday here at The Current. So with that note, I just want to say a huge thank you for joining us here today and sharing your story not just your personal story but the story of racialized healthcare workers here in Canada battling the COVID-19 pandemic my name is Christiana and you are listening to The Current see you next time <laughs>